Whistle Pig and the Bear is a collection of conversations between two best friends of 30 years as they talk about friendship, spirituality, and all of the stuff that happens in between. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, Matt. How goes it, my friend? It, it goes well. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about our relationship and how we've met. Um, we haven't dove into uh, why we, in, in, in a time when everybody and uh, their brother has a podcast, um, it was, we're not doing this because why not do it? Um, right. Uh, but we had a reason. And, and so I just wanted to, to discuss that a little bit this morning. I thought that'd be a good place for us to pick up next. So, yeah, both of us. Our backgrounds, Christian higher ed, uh, our journeys, different paths, but yet parallel and at times intersecting. Um, what about this for you? Like, why why this podcast and why now? I, honestly, um, primary, spend time with you um, just to have a set time and, and, and so you and I can talk even more than we do. Face to face. Yeah, face to face. And, and because in a world of us versus them um, and a lot of division and divides, I think it's important for there to be models of friendship mm. and friendship where, again, uh, even though we have really similar journeys and approaches to the world and backgrounds and those kind of things, you know, there, there's some, there's some differences in us um, in, in our politics or or faith or different things that that somehow you and I have always been able not just to navigate but to be our full selves with one another and uh, do so in a way that moves past our differences to our uh, similarities and I think actually our differences help sharpen us absolutely a lot that's my experience as um, as you're describing those differences i can remember uh distinctly i'm sure this wasn't the first one i mean the first one was the camper in the backyard of south carolina that was the first difference which you know that one's uh, for a much much later a uh, few years down the road podcast but uh I, one of the first things i remember going matt's matt's journey is is uh like we're we're similar but different journeys, and that was the first time uh, that you took me through the practice of uh, lectio divina. Yeah, and and I remember thinking in my mind, is Matt transitioning from Pentecostal to Catholic <laughs> at the time? So like, yeah, I've been accused of that many times. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, lectio divina is a form of. Um, praying the scriptures uh lexio divina just simply means divine reading or sacred reading and uh it moves through some different steps it's an ancient practice and form uh, and it's always been a large piece of the catholic church um but for pentecostals and a lot of evangelicals it smacks of um inauthentic or too catholic for their good and too so, high church maybe would yeah, and I, 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 I think what's interesting is I've just always, 
I've always wanted to put myself in the mind of others. Mm. And as a result, whether that was reading fiction or, or listening or looking at other faith expressions or different pieces, um, I just always had a thirst to, to see and gather information from beyond and outside of my own experience and perspective. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've always been a little bit of an anomaly in our circles. Um, but uh, anyway, all that to say, you may have had that thought, right? This is different. What the hell's going on with Matt? <laughs> but you would express that to me and we would talk about it rather than that being a reason for you to push away yeah i always felt like we've leaned in uh, yeah and to the point that on the outside it may have looked like an old bickering married couple yeah um driving along on a vacation cross country road trip vacation and me looking at you going why why the hell did you just make a right turn there yeah and you were like well i want to go see the big ball of yarn the world's largest ball of yarn um works and that's been that's that's been the story of our of our friendship, whether it's getting the buggy when you walk into Walgreens. Like, why are you getting a buggy? We just need to get we just need to get the cold medicine and get out of here. Because um, the buggies in Walgreens and CVS are small, and it makes me feel like a giant. <laughs> and me walking beside you in that moment feels like I'm your son. Uh, and dad's with his, his miniature buggy, but, but yeah. And so our friendship has, has always been that, Hey, what are you do You know, we're driving along in this car, uh, uh, and, and I'm looking at you going, what, what are you like? What directions are you reading here? But it, but instead of just jumping out of the car, well, let's see, let's see the world's biggest ball of yarn. Let's, let's just go ahead and go for it and, uh, and see, but I remember, so, so to bring that back, you said that you've always been this person who, um, who, who had that experience or felt that way in the sense of feeling what the others have experienced or what they know or um, what they do in their practices. So even though that would have been around 2004 that I recall that uh, Lexio Divina piece, um, you, you mentioned in the, you touched on it or alluded to it in, in the, an earlier episode where you were, you were doing this even during undergrad where you were having these readings of, of pieces that were considered heretical. So you've, you've always had that piece to you. Is that? Yes. Okay. And at what point was it okay to go from just reading it and keeping it under the radar to you start asking the questions about it, like? Oh, uh, and it's a great question. I feel like that's always been a, 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 you know, you say that and my mind for some reason goes back to Sunday school at First Assembly of God in Sumpton, Alabama. Okay. And Ellen Brown, my Sunday school teacher asked me to pray and we had just been speaking about forgiveness we're in a little assemblies of god pentecostal church 
and I remember praying, God teach us, thank you for forgiving us, teach us to live out forgiveness, God, I pray that we're able to forgive everyone who's wronged us, and I pray that you forgive Satan and all of the demons, and she stopped my prayer, <laughs> said, what are you doing, you can't do that, and I'm like, you just told me that to be like God is to forgive. Why can't God forgive? That's not how it works. And uh, I just mm. remember feeling that. And then fast forward to Southeastern freshman year there, my first year there. And uh, I'm in church history class with Professor Markham. And uh, I learned that origin um, the great church father believed that all of creation will be saved back into God, including Satan and his emissaries. And I mean, we're getting deep into the damn theological piece right here, but I'm simply saying I've always been a heretic mm, Yeah, because my understanding of what it was to be a Christian and then later to understand just what it is to truly be our actualized human selves is to follow love. And when we embrace love, we let go of our control. And wow. that's what religion and that's what institutions have issues with so if you're gonna follow the way of love you're always gonna be a heretic wow and that's crazy but that's the way it is <laughs> wow yeah like Professor, I, I had never connected the the yes in the sense of when we talk about love today the first response that i get from from evangelical friends is well, you're you're just saying that that everybody. So you're in in the first words out of their mouth is you're a universalist, uh, and so they want to give a label. But I had never connected that how much of heresy has been connected to love, or or what's been deemed as heretical has a connection to love. Just remember that when Jesus sat down in the synagogue for the first time, according to the gospel writers. And he talked about the day of the Lord coming and he omitted the part where the Gentiles and the enemies of the Hebrew people, the Israelites, would be overthrown and judged. Um, they took him out and throw him off, off a cliff. Mm. Jesus was a heretic. Right. He was a sinner. He was a blasphemer. He was a heretic. He was impure. He was all those things. And so um, Dr. Andrew Permenter used to say this that uh, the heretics of today are the heroes of tomorrow wow. and uh, i just don't know of anyone in the annals of humanity yeah who we now emulate as incredible spiritual leaders whether it was buddha or muhammad or jesus or martin okay. luther king jr who will celebrate uh, on this upcoming Monday, 
who wasn't at a point in time by the establishment viewed as a heretic. Wow. So, so, so I go back to your, your Sunday school experience, <laughs> right? Like, and by the way, I love Ellen Brown. <laughs> I don't know where she's at now. If you're was hearing that, this, Ellen. is that the missionary's wife? No, uh, I don't know. I was thinking of a different she's, Brown. She's just a lady in church. She's just a lady in something. First she, was, she was a large woman with a short haircut. Uh, she had, um, tinted glasses which i always thought was weird when people wore tinted glasses inside and um you got me picturing charlotte stafford yeah kind of she okay. had a good alto voice um but yeah so what age was that sixth grade sixth grade so that's the first like what are you thinking in that moment when she says well it doesn't work like that I had this thought all the time, whether it was religious leaders or teachers, and that was, you don't get it. Wow. Why am I getting it and you're not getting it? I thought that all the time as a kid. <laughs> and so so then you fast forward in your first year in Markham's class, and you hear about this piece, of, right? Yep. Um, and then where else, where, where, where else does the heretical vein storyline go? in your life like from first year at southeastern it's just just a continuous thread or does it does it surface at times and then it's it's always been the case i mean yeah oh uh, yeah it's just i mean it, it was there it was when i was pastoring at uh Coast cathedral right out of college it continued into my time as a professor and a campus pastor at Southeastern, it's just always been there that, that um, I just always push back and, and I didn't push back because I'm rebellious. I don't, there's no benefit in just being rebellious for rebellious sake. But if you, um, I think Simone Vail, um, who was a mystic and social activist uh, in the last century, um, this is a paraphrase of a quote, but whenever faced with the choice between God and truth, I always choose truth and find myself running straightway into the arms of Jesus. Hmm. Um, just going to follow truth and follow love and see where that takes me. I mean, just never have understood why you wouldn't. No, so my even to the point with, um, you know, uh, coming out as affirming, um, of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you mentioned it earlier, but being a Christian universalist, um, there's a lot to unpack there uh, for our listeners who are like, oh, he's a heretic. I just said I was a heretic, okay? I just said it. Um, so, <laughs> so call it to me, but I've already self-identified. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's just always been the case. But uh, anyway, that was a long tangent, Squig, uh, Steve. Um, you may hear me refer to Steve from time to time as Squig. That's a that's a, a nickname. He he <laughs> might call me Fathead. Um, those might have been our college nicknames. Um, we will neither confirm so nor deny. We will neither confirm nor deny. But uh, circling back around. Uh, I, I, I just uh, think that you and I um, 
I'm convinced that the only way we can change the world is to be a faithful presence where we are at. And if no one listens to this podcast and it's just me and you and your daughter Liv can listen to this once she's older and reflect back on dad and uncle Matt's relationship um, for our former students. If, if it's just for me and you to have, when we can't remember who we are, right. how to get to the bathroom and we, we can listen to it. When I walk across um, the hallway of the, uh, of the seniors, uh, Del Boca it. Vista uh, phase two, we'll, yes. uh, we'll cue it up on our uh, cassette players and, and listen to it. I no. had a student come to me yesterday so excited because she just got a uh, cassette player. Oh, my gosh. That really happened. Her was name's she... Riley. Riley came up to me yesterday. Mr. Hewitt, you won't believe this. Can, I just got a can Riley find blank cassette tapes? I, you know, I'll, I, I guess somebody's I'll, making you them. You can order on Amazon. Everything's on Amazon. So, anyway. yeah, like... But I go back to, like, even as you were, you know, you you say that it was a tangent, but I, I don't, I think sometimes the, the longer versions are the pieces that people want. People shut down the moment they hear this, uh, or they hear certain things, they shut down, they walk away, and they label it. But I think yeah. because of relationship, people will sometimes give grace and listen a little longer. And so, so I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, elaborated on that. But I think, what is it? What is it that people like? I'm I'm just trying to to picture the thing about our friendship was giving each other the grace of when I would call someone, well, that person's an idiot, and you would look at me and say, you can't call everybody an idiot. You can call some people an idiot, but you can't call everyone an idiot. And I remember the first time that you started trying to take me through um, spiral dynamics. <laughs> And, and me doing my riff on Brother Daryl, the radio preacher um, okay. in the mountains. That's right. I'm just trying to figure, like, um, when you when you when we're talking about affecting the change, how this has to happen at the individual level, um, and and the the amount of phone calls or conversations that you get, especially of people who would never have these conversations in public. Um, but who will call you uh, in the middle of the night and you, you have some language for it. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of scratching my head going, um, where where does this change, how does this change take place when when everyone is in their corner of the room and they refuse to to even listen to to differing viewpoints versus... Like it's always us versus them, and us is always the winning team. Like that's the hilarious part to me. Like, yeah. So you you had a you had a uh, distinct moment in your life just in the in the past five to ten years where you doubled down on everything that you're talking about here. I mean, like yeah. you you didn't just talk it. You you cashed it all in. And I don't know how much of that you're comfortable sharing, but I think um, I think it's relevant and would be helpful uh, for people. Yeah, and I uh, I think uh, I can, I can just kind of 
give a brief introduction to what you're referencing. Um, and we, we could probably take a, 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 an episode or two and just kind of walk through those pieces and that, that might be helpful. Um, uh, to go back about first before that point, um, I think what bonded us together is that we both generally love people. I've never known you. I mean, you call people putzes, which, by the way, Steve will go into Wikipedia and say that he coined that phrase and he did not. <laughs> But he I'm still will taking go in and for try. I'm to, surprised uh, they haven't banned you yet. Yes. Um, but uh, you will say those things. But you, you, even when you said them out of frustration, or whatever, you, you never really used that to distance yourself from those people. Right. You've always. I, I, there are people in my life, and people in your life, and we are. We have found each other and there's a strange magnetism to whether that's sims or whether that's uh, uh our friend rob or whether that's dr jerome yeah. um, where there is a certain thing when you have devoted your life to loving people that that woo woo that that yeah <laughs> that attraction you find one another um and you and I just had that and, and we had enough similarities. We had enough differences. We had similar taste in, in uh, Southern gospel music and in uh, the types of girls we liked to um, uh, just our humor. But, but I think, you know, all that's there and I have other people with similar things, but I've always appreciated how much you just love people. And you want to help them catch their wind and be the best versions of themselves that they can be. And, and I, I just see you with such strong intentionality. I think the reason that we married who we married and that they married us um, was because Keela and Nicole deeply love people. They just do. And, um, so there's something about that. And I do think that that's what, that's what moves people from their side of the room across the room. That's what it's got to boil down to. Um, seeing people not just as who they are, but who they can be. And I'm not talking about some strange conversion therapy. I'm just talking about dedicating your life to helping everyone we come in contact with um, know and feel known. Hmm. Um, and we do that. I, the point you were referencing about. I think, and, the, and let me, let me interrupt you there. Ahead. Hold that yeah, thought yeah, because please. the, and I, I appreciate the kind words. I think, I think you do the same. Um, and, and I'm more of the person who I'm in, in my orbit. And so the people that I'll come in contact with who will intersect, like my heart will gravitate towards those. You've done that on a different, like an uh, almost a, a completely different level in the sense of it's almost like you've sought out people that people that society isn't even aware of. 
And so there's been times that you've come to me and, and discussed a marginalized group that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and it didn't land on my doorstep uh, or it didn't become as personal or real to me until I started working uh, at, at School of the Arts. And, and so all of a sudden, people groups that you had been sharing with me about and me scratching my head trying to figure out, um, and, and, and th these are still emerging. Like these groups, even 10 years into this, are still emerging and we're still um, discovering, learning, and hearing about. But um, one of the things I've appreciated about you is, is your willingness to seek them out before society is even before they're even on the doorstep of of being marginalized, underrepresented, um, um, the in, the inequities, the like all of those pieces, um, and that that's been your strong suit. That's been like your passion, and I think that's um, I think that's why some of our friends who who are still in full time ministry in more fundamental or evangelical circles will come to you in those late night conversations to say, Hey, I've had this person in my, in my church who's mentioned this. I've never heard of this. And they'll come to you and you have an immediate, uh, well, let me, let me explain to you what that, what that means. And all of a sudden, uh, they don't know what to do with that. But, um, but I've always appreciated that about you, that you have, you haven't just waited, uh, for, for those, for people who are hurting, uh, regardless of their walk, regardless of their identity or orientation, um, like you've you've sought them out uh, so that you could be an ally, so that you could be um, um, a friend and a resource to them. So yeah, kudos on that. Thanks. And that's where our paths have crossed, right? Like you you would you would seek them out, and I'm just in my. Uh, uh, spiral, if you will, or this um, circle uh, that's kind of in, enlarging. And then uh, then all of a sudden, and I think that's that'll be what I hope in doing this podcast and like why are we doing this is uh, a way of letting people know that that we're here for them. And not only are we here for them, but hopefully things that they hear us discussing will help them do the same in their circles. Does that make sense? It, may, it makes perfect sense. Uh, I, I just think that I think the difference between me and you in those kind of situations is just that um, my reading, um, which was escape as a kid and a way of uh, uh, survival coping mechanism but my reading was so diverse and so wide that i was continuously finding these groups and reading um uh, putting myself inside the thinking process and the life experiences of folks who were just very different than the folks who were immediately surrounding me um, but i think what is i hope is true about us both is it's not just that we find those people out but they find us mm, yeah um and um, I know that people generally feel safe to be themselves around me and you. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's always been the case with you. I don't, I don't, I don't. And same with you. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I think the only difference is, is my reading and those kind of pieces probably put me into spheres uh, before a lot of our friends and contemporaries just because I'm out there and, and collecting information that way. Um, going back and referencing what you said, uh, so you, you know that um, we went to Southeastern, we loved Southeastern, we probably both found our groove and who we were at that community. Um, and we both left, I went away, you went away, we passed her a little bit, but we both found our way back there. Um, and that was my dream job. I, I don't know that that was what you wanted to do for the rest of your life, uh. but I wanted to be a professor and a campus pastor and be there until I died, basically. Um, and so what you're referencing is that I did that. I, I have my dream job. At the age of 25, I'm a campus pastor there. I'm an RD. I'm a director of spiritual formation and other things. Uh, not too long after that, I start teaching and then I become full-time faculty in 2010 and I'm, I'm loving it and I'm enjoying it. But the problem is, is that I'm trying to seek out truth. And one of the things that happened at that community, and again, we'll, I'll just touch on it briefly, is that my heart really started breaking for uh, and moving with compassion towards the LGBTQ plus community, uh, LGBTQ plus community. Sometimes I get mixed up on the alphabet um, and I don't want to leave that out. So um, anyway, I, I started a process um, about three years before I left there of not just loving individuals um, and but trying to search out whether or not um, folks in that community could be fully affirmed by God and and, and by us and uh, invited other colleagues invited my bosses into that journey was very transparent with it and uh, eventually when I arrived where I arrived as a fully inclusive and affirming position um, it it cost me my job and I could have stayed quiet and I could have just loved people individual bases and helped them kind of navigate the waters of a Pentecostal evangelical um, community in, in college but um, my heart just would not let me. So uh, again, just touching on this to explore later perhaps, but um, it cost me my job. It cost me my denomination uh, ordination. It cost me, it almost cost me my, my marriage. It cost me uh, relationships with family members. It cost me uh, the church that I was pastoring. Um, but if I was going to be true to that old Kierkegaard maxim, now with God's help, I shall become myself as the whole point. It's just to be who you were created to be and to be uh, fully um, holistic uh, and, and to be fully, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, authentic with who you are. Um, I had... I had to follow what I was and am seeing as the Holy Spirit leading me in those ways. And uh, I couldn't, I either had to choose between my, my dream job and the relationships that I had or 
me being authentic and who I was before God. And I had to choose that because I feel like if you can't be fully who you are, then, right. then all those other things are a sham anyway. So anyway, when you, when, so, when you say that, cause I want to clarify, yeah. cause not everyone will be familiar with the college um, or yeah. it's, or it's stance on uh, you know, on the LGBTQ plus community there, this was a, this was a, um, um, this was a stance that the university had taken in their uh, student code of conduct that, that, um, that those relationships were forbidden and students would go through a conduct process um, when, you know, um, as that, as that would come out or students would be outed, if you will. Um, and so this, the, the university was taking a very, uh, firm stance on it. And if I remember at the time you were encouraging, uh, leadership and those in, in the, the driver's seats of these decisions of who could affect policy change, you were inviting them to say, what does the scripture say about this? Because, what I think that we've said the scripture said uh, or says, maybe we've misunderstood. And let me invite you into this journey. Um, this was you speaking to to the executive leadership because you had relationship. Um, can we? I'm, I'm and, and I'm 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 sharing this from from an outside perspective. These were faculty members of ours who had always encouraged and taught to to do your to do your own study to look into this to uh to go through these uh stages and now here you were um saying back to them hey i'm doing what you're what you've always encouraged and taught me to do can we do this together but there was that re wasn't reciprocated is that is that accurate oh sure because to do so they knew would be political and suicide and, in the sense that just like I had to leave. And, they so, would have to. and when you say it cost you, I want to be clear that, um, that this was a, um, that this was something that, that you were laying it out on the table. It wasn't like, uh, they went on a witch hunt brought you out and fired you, you said, if, if we're not going, to, if the university is not going to do what, what I'm teaching my students to do, um, then, then I'm going to walk away from this. And, and you made that, I can remember the week that you made the decision and you called me and I anticipated it being something <laughs> where you would come up with a year timeline of your exit. And, uh, and, and you, you said enough is enough and made the decision um, by choice to say, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a long process and there's a lot involved there and, uh, some good people made some really bad decisions and, um, regarding me and the things they said and those kind of pieces, uh, made some accusations that were entirely false. Um, uh, not about my lifestyle or anything, but about uh, uh, whether or not I had performed a separation ceremony, a release ceremony for a couple who the husband had discovered 
and come to grips with the fact that he was gay. Um, so they, they, they put some rumors out there and did some things without asking me that really jeopardized uh, who I was. And, and instead of retaliating, I just simply went to them and said, listen, I've let you in on this journey and I've invited you into it. And if I'm wrong, correct me, but I'm prayerfully studying, consulting, working out this and, um, you know, when I can no longer be quiet about this, I won't make a big splash or something like that. I know where I'm at uh, and I know this culture and I'm grateful for the community and what it's done for me. I'll simply come to you and, uh, and I'll quietly resign. And uh, that's what happened. And that's what you so did. They were, they were trying to get me to stay even, you know, the last few days. Are you sure you can't just hold this quietly and those kind of pieces and and uh, i just couldn't i couldn't and have the integrity that i felt i needed to have and so um yeah so cost it, it certainly didn't cost me in the way that it costs a member of the lgbtq community um to be their authentic self um but um i'm grateful for the explanation and how it was described to me that there's a difference between being an ally and an accomplice yes um so an ally is someone who's for you and supports you and those kind of things but accomplice is someone who's got skin in the game and you're willing to actually uh, suffer alongside and uh, pay the penalty for uh, your beliefs or for who you're gonna stand with and love and so um, that's, I, I went basically from being an ally to an accomplice in those moments. Um, and, and that was necessary for me just to be me, but, uh, yeah. And we can walk again later episodes. We can walk through all of this. Uh, we can talk about it and what that means. Um, uh, but I, again, just kind of looping it back around. Um, why, why are we why are we doing this podcast um, because we're just trying to be a faithful presence and with the advent of technology we can be a faithful presence uh, in the sharing of our relationship and our stories what we would have called and uh, our churches and our heyday testimonies um <laughs> Technology allows us to, to, to expand our reach of what a faithful presence where you're planted means. So I think, uh, I think as people are, are listening where uh, a lot of podcast episodes can stand individually on their own. I think, (laughs) I think this one will be more, uh, of, a of chapters of a book. Right. And so, uh, you can listen, you can read one chapter out of a book, you can pick any of them, but to to have the full um, um, understanding of it, it's it's going through the journey with us, uh, track by track, if you will. Um, on, We're inviting you all into our lives. Yes. Yes. Whether it's fried liver mush uh, and having breakfast with Matt and I um, on our times together, uh, enjoying a, a cup of coffee that I describe as dirt in its taste, um, 
yeah we're inviting you in if you guys don't know steve's a very picky eater <laughs> and he's he's a texture guy and he's a heat guy if you ever sat with him he breaks up his french fries so they cool off faster and he, he's pretty pretty basic when it comes to and and, you're, and you are the I, opposite i am i will eat anything at least once He'll ask for one of the cooks to come out and say, what are you eating for lunch today? And he'll ask them for that. And all of a sudden, we'll have about 12 dishes on our table. And I'm like, where's the, where's the chicken nuggets? No, I'm not that bad. Um, used to be. Used to be. And uh, my wife has expanded my uh, palate. But, um, but yeah, and so that's, that's one of those areas that we're extremely different on. Um, so liver mush... I, I, as much as I've eaten around the world and it was until I moved to North Carolina that I was exposed to a dish here called liver mush. And, uh, I am a big fan of liver of all types of awful, not a W F U L, but awful O F F A L organ meats and kind of the weird parts of animals. I don't know if I knew uh, that was a word. Yep. That is, um, I'll be bringing you strange vocabulary from episode to episode two, guys. Um, it, we should have just called this podcast tangents. Um, because, but, I mean, yeah, this is, if you're looking for uh, a introduction, point one, two, three, yes. conclusion. Wrong. This is wrong one. Not, if you want to just figure out, if you want to be, you know, I don't know. If you just this need to have something like, playing in the background and then you heard something you, interesting and you rewind. Yes. If you're if you're at all um familiar with NPR's S Town, yes. this is our version <laughs> of S Town. And let's, and S Town was based in uh in your county. Well, close to it. Twenty something minutes okay. as the crow flies from my front door back in Alabama. But anyway. All right. Anything else you'd like to mention as we uh, as we head into the wrap up? Yes. Okay. I think we're in week two, possibly week three, of a Maryland man being the first recipient of a Xeno transplant. And what that means is, with gene editing um, medical devices. They were able to go in and take a one-year-old 240-pound hog's heart and edit it and then transplant it into this man from Maryland. So he is a champion, and he is healthy, and we have had our first uh, Xeno or species-to-species full-organ transplant. We live in a weird world. So they took a pig heart? Yep. Transplanted it. Into a man. How big was the pig? Uh, from my understanding, it was one years old, 240 pounds. What was the age and size of the man? Did it say? He's older. Wow. I mean, I don't know. So that's the world we live in. I was telling my students, exponentially, it's getting weirder and weirder. So hang on for the ride. Man.